Hello everyone, my name is Rochelle Innocent and I'm the founder and CEO of Project Purpose. Welcome to our YouTube channel. Our community is focused on fostering the intellectual and character development in children. We do this through our parent-child workshops that focus on four themes. Autonomy, self-efficacy, compassion, and self-concept in order to cultivate grit, perseverance, and resilience in each child. At Project Purpose, our overarching mandate is to renew and rebuild families, communities, and relationships. Our YouTube platform provides us an opportunity to have discussions on all topics that relate to family, community, and relationships with ourselves as well as with others, with a primary focus on mental health and education. More precisely, the ways that the institutions of mental health and education have played a role and play a role in our societies at large. Our discussions and debates provide us with an opportunity to think critically about what needs to change within these structures in order for us to live up to our bold slogan, support, protect, and empower each child through youth-focused development, better known as leadership in juvenescence. We recognize that in valuing our children's leadership potential, that also translates as co-creating and recreating spaces socially as well as politically in order for our children to thrive. An extension to our YouTube channel, we do have a blog form that we invite you to check out that also covers topics that relate to the renewal and the rebuilding of families, communities, and relationships, and we'll definitely put the link to our blogs down below. Please feel free to visit our blogs after you watch this video. After, not before. <laughs> now, as is the YouTube convention, please do subscribe. Hit that post notification bell so that you're aware of every time we post. And of course, like, comment, and share this video. Let's get into it. And we're back. So video two for this week on mental wellness, and I'm very happy to have you here with me today. So this week we're talking about self-care. So the first video that we did this week, we did have a segment on movement, and we had the, the, the catch-all phrase, movement is a mood booster. So if ever you are in a low mood, always, always think first to introduce movement into your day to help release those natural endorphins and you know get you in a better state of being. We also talked about relaxation and, and how you activate the senses in different ways in order to create calm, in order to be soothed, and it gives you that sense of relaxation. So definitely tap into the little pleasures that you can kind of dial in and out of throughout the day in order to have that sensory activation for that calm, soothing, relaxing feeling. In this video, the focus is on mindfulness and on meditation. And I wanted to talk about this because I find that um, I find that there's there's a lot of different messages about what meditation is and you know the benefits of meditation and there are a lot of guided apps to meditation. And I find that kind of funny because meditation is really about self-mastery. It's about recognizing your role as the watcher of your thoughts and being able to monitor and manage your thoughts as they come in and invite them in and out, right? So it's hard to cultivate that self-mastery if someone else is guiding you through that meditation. So I wanted to talk a little bit about my style of meditation and invite you to try it and let me know what you think. So I did this intentionally. The first video is about, you know, it's about relaxation and also about motion and all of these things involve sensory activation. But anytime you want to feel grounded and you want to feel centered, in order to do that, you need the opposite. You need 
sensory deprivation. So in order to really get into a meditative state and to feel mindful, it's almost very important to close the world out. Um, so the way that I do that is with silence. You know, when I meditate, it needs to be absolutely quiet and, you know, even better if it's quiet and dark. I typically will meditate as part of my morning routine. I take about 20 minutes to do that. And I do that in absolute darkness. And that's because being someone who is, is very stimulated by the things that I see, it's very hard for me to concentrate on going inwards if there are distractions around me. So I think complete a simulation of sensory deprivation is definitely one of the requirements to sort of invite this meditative state. And because meditation is about self-mastery, I invite you to discard the meditation apps, you know? I mean, I think meditation apps help you to relax help you to calm down and help soothe you. And, and relaxation and meditation are very different. The effects of meditation are you feel grounded, you feel centered, you feel in command of oneself, you know? And that involves concentration. It takes a lot of concentration to get to that state. And it's hard to get to that state if someone else is guiding you through it. But it, by all means, if someone else is guiding you through mindfulness, just distinguishing between mindfulness and meditation because they are separate things. Um, so for meditation, we definitely need sensory deprivation. So you want to be able to still your sensory system, calm it down, and then bring your focus inward. Um, so for me, that involves my yoga mat, it involves um, a travel pillow that I actually use as a seat. I'm actually gonna get it because I think this is funny. All right, so I got my meditation pillow and I find this hilarious because there are so many meditation pillows out there and they're fine, you know, but last minute I was in Dollarama and I saw this travel pillow and it's a little bit too dense. It's a little bit heavy to be on my neck as a travel pillow. So I was like, well, huh, you know, it might be great for a meditation pillow. And I was right. And this has been the best meditation pillow I've ever had in my existence. So when I do meditate for that 20 minutes, I am sitting on the ground on my yoga mat, but this is a nice cushion for support. So for those of you who are considering meditating, um, definitely hit Dollarama and get this uh, travel pillow. Again, I, I think it's a little bit too dense, too heavy to be like around the neck area, but definitely great to sit on. So I'll just kind of put that down. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about setting the tone. So. I definitely meditate in darkness. I meditate in darkness, I'm sitting down on the ground, um, my eyes are closed, and it's about going inward. And I take 20 minutes to meditate, and I have a timer, um, and, and the, the focus of my meditation is on being able to recognize my role as the watcher of my thoughts, and this is super important because a lot of the time we, we think we are our thoughts. I mean, if you're not someone who's in the practice of meditation, you might assume that every thought that you entertain is your own, and that's not true. Um, your mind sort of spews a lot of content based on the things that you're sort of taking in consciously or subconsciously, and that kind of throws it at you, and then you decide what you attend to and what you don't attend to. And you want to be very mindful about the information and the thoughts that you attend to, because you only want to attend to the thoughts that contribute to your sense of well-being and to positive states of being and to different moods that will help you sort of go through your day feeling good about yourself. And in order to do that, you need to cultivate this mental strength. And that's what meditation is about. There's, it's this concentrated time where you're watching your thoughts come in and you're inviting them out.
And the longer periods of time where the stillness and the silence exists, um, then the more successful the meditation, I guess. So for me, when I started meditating, I felt like this bombardment, like as soon as I had no, nothing to kind of attend to, it's like all of these thoughts were like showering over me. It was, in, it was a very overwhelming experience. Um, and then with time, it's like, you know, not this thought, not that thought, not this thought, this thought, okay, not that thought. Because with meditation, you see the thought, you don't allow yourself to respond or react to the thought, and then you let it go. And it's this act of catching the thoughts, letting them go. It's, it's working this mental muscle. That mental mu muscle is creating boundaries and limitations with your thoughts. It's letting the thoughts that come up know what thoughts you invite, what thoughts are welcome, and what thoughts are absolutely not welcome. And I think after 20 minutes of actively recognizing the thought, not allowing yourself to emote to it, and then letting it go, once you're done with that 20 minutes, you feel centered, you feel grounded because you recognize your role as the watcher of your thoughts. Remember, you are not your thoughts, you are the watcher of those thoughts. So I invite you to give that a try. And the second part of this video is about just being very mindful about what you invite into your, into your world, I guess, is, is the best way that I can say it. And I wanted to introduce a, a great exercise. Um, and this is an exercise that I actually did as part of my professional writing degree. And as part of my professional writing degree, what we ended up doing is we would listen to music, um, a very popular music of the time. And I'm not going to talk about what the, what the actual songs we listened to were. Um, but there was this activity where we listened to music that we really, really enjoyed or like that were like the hit songs playing in the clubs at that point in time. And then we would strip the music and just read the lyrics. And you'll find that music has this capacity to sort of nullify your natural response to lyrics that might otherwise shock, appall, you know, concern you if they were just words spoken in regular conversation. Um, and, and what does that mean? It means that there's this filtering mechanism that gets turned off when you receive information through the part of your brain that processes music. Um, it's not the same processing system that processes like words and information. So they're different systems completely. Um, and what happens is it's almost, it makes the music in and of itself subliminal, right? It makes the lyrics almost subliminal. So if there are very violent lyrics, that are hidden by a nice bass or like a nice tune, a nice beat, unless you're paying attention to those lyrics, they kind of just slip on by. But even if they're slipping on by, they, they play and they sort of interact with your moods, with your state of beings, and as well as with your emotions. So I think it's important to do this exercise with all of your favorite songs. And what I would invite you to do is like maybe start with five songs that you love absolutely, listen to the song, um, you know, blast the song even, and then write the different emotions that are generated because of the song, you know? You like this state of song because it generates X, Y, Z emotions and it puts you in X, Y, Z states of being. And then what I invite you to do, and this was the literary exercise we did in my professional writing class, is I want you to just take the lyrics, print them out in front of you and just read them. And then I want you to tell me what emotions and what state of being those lyrics invite or create in you. Um, and maybe sometimes you need a mask. So maybe right after the song, you know, watch a YouTube video as a mask and then read the lyrics just to make sure that 
You're not influencing your response when you do sort of the test. We are reading the lyrics out loud without the music corresponding to it. And the reason why you want to do this is because, you know, the bass and the music will influence emotions and states of being that might mask the emotions and states of being that the lyrics are inviting into you. And sometimes, you know, we can be a little masochistic where we're already like maybe feeling emotional, feeling unhappy. And instead of listening to music that will alter that state and put us in a better state of being, we might accidentally listen to music that exacerbates that state of unhappiness. Um, and, and we don't want to invite ourselves into a spiral. So if you're angry, you know, it might feel like the, the <laughs> you might feel inclined to listen to anger music because, you know, it, it helps validate your anger. I invite you to do the opposite. I invite you when you're angry to, to focus on self-soothing mechanisms. So focus on you know, listening to music that helps you to calm that anger, to, to bring that anger down, right? I think that when it comes to self-regulation, you never wanna add more fuel to the fire if you're already feeling like you're in a heightened emotional state. So if you're, feel, if you're very sad, if you're crying, if you're angry, sometimes you might feel inclined to listen to music or to subject yourself to images or movies or different stimuli that exacerbates your feelings of sadness, pain, and, and, and anger. And I'm saying let's not do that. And the best way to start that is when you're feeling neutral to kind of go through your music, um, you know, list out the emotions and the states of being that they create in you, and then do a mask, so like maybe watch a YouTube video that has something to do with it, and then just read the lyrics and then look at the emotions and states of being that those lyrics bring out in you, and then typecast that song. So this is a song I listen to when I'm happy, based on the fact that it makes you feel happy, you know? Or if you're sad, you know, you're listening to the happy song, right? Um, you wanna be mindful of the music that, that brings out emotions in you that don't necessarily cater to your well-being. So emotions that you know, like when you feel this emotion, when you feel a lot of this emotion, you feel like you're spiraling out of control. And it's, it's very important as, as an exercise of mindfulness to always be aware of what you're inviting into your system. Because if you're not aware of what you're listening to and what it's doing to you, I'm telling you someone else is. Um, so rather than sort of just being, you know, fair game, do this exercise with everything that you, you know, sort of consume frequently. Know what it does to you. You know, know what emotions and states of beings it puts you in. And, and know that when you're already in that state of being, if it's not like a, a positive place to be in, then that's that stimuli you avoid. So we don't want to invite spirals into our life by exacerbating emotional states where we're trying to regain control, but we listen to a song that like sends us over the edge or we watch a movie that sends us over the edge. And the best way to counteract that is know what songs, what movies, what visual imagery we should avoid because we recognize what states of being and what emotions they, they kind of trigger and generate within us um, and not be masochistic and do something that will soothe us and that will help us to self-regulate and will help us to kind of recenter ourselves. So that's an, that's an activity that I invite you to do as a mindfulness activity because we talk about mindfulness as just this practice of, of, of feeling calm, you know, of, of, of feeling calm, of feeling grounded, but mindfulness is also awareness. It's being aware of your environment, of the ways that your environment 
trigger you into different states of being, the different emotions, and then also being the watcher of your environment. So meditation is being the watcher of your thoughts. Mindfulness is being the watcher of the things in your environment and how those things trigger different responses in you. And then deciding whether or not you want to continually invite that stream into, into your system because it feels good and it does good for you. It contributes to your well-being. Or you see, you know, that doesn't contribute to my well-being. I see that it's agitating me. I see that it's like it's putting me in a state that's not very comfortable. So you opt out. That also is mindfulness. Um, so I'd love for you to try that. The objective for the videos this week was to really differentiate between self-care by way of motion and relaxation and how that involves sensory activation and how mindfulness and meditation typically will involve sensory deprivation or selective sensory activation. And when you're doing activities that involve motion and that involve um, relaxation, you're, you're trying to do, you're trying to activate your sensory system in a way that soothes, calms, and relaxes your sensory system. So music is a great way to do that. Motion is a great way to do that. Incense, aromatherapy, great way to do that. When we think about mindfulness and meditation, you really want to create an environment where you're alone with your thoughts, and then you can start to feel the interaction between yourself and the thoughts and start to see your role as the watcher of those thoughts and develop the muscle of letting thoughts go. It's like, you know, I see you, I'm not engaging with you. Letting thoughts go. So I invite you to do that. And also just recognizing what things in your environment trigger different states of being, different moods, different emotions in you. And then being mindful and aware of what you invite in and what you keep out based on what you know your current state to be. So if you're already very emotional and you're feeling very sad, definitely not the time to watch The Notebook. You know, maybe watch something happy or watch something goofy if that's your mood. I know, like, you know, it, it might feel good to be a little masochistic and, you know, like, create a downward spiral. And I don't know why it feels good. <laughs> I don't know why. Some, I actually don't know why. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, I recognize that it's, there's, there's a sort of attraction to, to the spiral. There's something about it that makes us feel alive, maybe. But maybe let's find different ways to feel alive. You know, spiraling out of control definitely leads to avenues best not taken at times, you know? Anyways, um, so those are the two activities for mental wellness this week. I really hope that you do them. I hope that you enjoy them. And of course, if you have any comments, if you have any questions, if you have any suggestions of your own by way of mental wellness, um, whether that's relaxation or motion or whether that's mindfulness and meditation, I would love to hear from you. Uh, and until next time. Like